As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Live Well Anyway. I'm your host, Mackenzie Coppa, and on this podcast, we focus on wellness, beauty, style, planning, and life. Basically, life is messy, and here we learn to live well anyway. So join me on this journey as we figure it out together. And just to get us started, I'll go first. And you guys, today I am going first with an old podcasting friend of mine that we have been together kind of since the beginning of our podcasting journeys. That's when we first met and started talking. It has been so fun to follow her journey so far. She's a fellow three on the Enneagram, which is also super fun. And she's just coming out with a brand new book. You guys know I don't have very many authors on the show anymore, but I knew I wanted to have her on the show and I knew I wanted to talk about this book. It's Sarah Bragg with her brand new book, A Mother's Guide to Raising Herself. It slaps. You guys, this one, it's so good. It really makes you think think about things, you may not agree with every single point that Sarah makes, but she has so much wisdom packed into this book that I think it is worth the time to sit down and consider some of these questions that she poses and these viewpoints that she has out there. I'm just so proud of her for this work, how concise and wise she was about the way that she wrote it. And I hope that you guys will really enjoy this book, but you will also really enjoy this episode because it was just a really fun episode getting to talk with another podcaster. We have a ton of back and forth and I really, really enjoyed getting to just sit down and chat with her for an hour. We don't get that opportunity very often. Also, I do want to mention my internet was a little crazy the day that we recorded, so we do have a few connectivity issues throughout this episode, but I think that the content is good enough and the conversation is fun enough that hopefully you can look past all of that. So, so sorry about that quality. It's not usually what we have on the show, but it just is what happened that day. It's one of those technical things. Also, before we get rolling with the show, I want to say that I would love to connect with you guys on Instagram. If you haven't found me over there, you can find me at Mackenzie Coppa. It is one of my favorite places to connect with listeners. I've been getting so much great feedback from you guys over the summer. You've not been holding back. You've really been reaching out and telling me what you love about the show, what you want more of. And that has been so helpful, especially as we are planning this next season of the podcast that is coming up very quickly. 
weekly that will be starting in September. I can't even believe it. We're heading into our seventh year of the show, which is just crazy. But I would love to hear back from more of you about what you want to see on the show. What is the most impactful to you? What is the most helpful? Please reach out and let me know. You can find me at Mackenzie Coppa on Instagram. Let's chit chat, slide into my DMs. Let's have a conversation and really let me know what would be the most helpful to you heading into a new school year and just life in general. What are you guys looking for that would be helpful on my show? All right, you guys, let's get on with this episode, though. It's so much fun, and I don't want you to have to wait one more minute to get to hear all of the fun things that Sarah and I talk about. Without further ado, here is Sarah Bragg. Welcome, Sarah. Hello. I am so excited to have you on the show today. I think we've kind of like toyed around with it before in the past and just never really done it. And, and now is the perfect time because you're coming out with a new book and it's amazing. And so we're going to talk about all of that, but for people who don't know who you are, would you introduce yourself? Mm Yes. Well, I'm Sarah Bragg and I am married to Scott and we've been married about 16 years. We've got a couple of girls. They are both middle schoolers now. So (sighs) Sinclair is eighth grade and Rory is sixth grade. And so somehow we've made it into middle school land and I'm just looking at Rory going, no, 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 no. You're not supposed to grow up. You were supposed to remain three. Yes. Yes. Um, and so we recently, and you know, with many people, you know, 2020 just turned everything upside down, Mm -hmm. but we moved from the Atlanta area, which we had been in forever to Tennessee, which is where I'm from. So we literally moved on to my parents' property. They have about 70 plus acres and we renovated a house on their property and now we have horses. So we're just like, went from the city life to the farm life. Yeah. Um, yep. So do that. And then I'm a podcaster. Surviving Sarah is my podcast and I've uh, been doing that for almost seven years. So, you know, grandma status over yeah. here. Yeah. Too. And um, so, yeah, so that's what I do. I just, you know, I write and I podcast and um, I dabble in farm life now. Yeah. Whole new world. Whole new world. Yeah. That's awesome. But yeah, like you were saying, we're like old lady podcasters. We are. We really <laughs> are. We was, should have old lady names for our We like, should. Yes. When I okay, this is a total goofy side note, but okay. my boyfriend and his kids are into like gaming and some of my kids are too. And so we played this dumb game that I'm so bad at because I'm not, I just, I wasn't given, grandma. yes, I wasn't given <laughs> the gaming gene. Like it's just not there, yes. but I just went ahead and like, you can pick your character. I picked the grandma. Cause I was right. like, let's just face it guys. This yep. is going to own am. it. Yep. It's better to just totally own it. Own it. Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I've been planning out this next season of the podcast and it's season seven and it's just mm-hmm. like, what in the world and how, how life has changed in those seven years, Yes. but we've known wow. each other. I mean, since fairly early on, I think we connected like through one group and that group Gosh. kind of fizzled Yeah, and then we connected to another group and that group kind of fizzled. Yes. But I mean, we, we really have been connected for years, yeah. like almost, maybe almost the whole journey. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. I would say pretty close anyway, within that first year or two. 
Yeah. Because you were that. first going to be, we were introduced and you were still doing, what was it? Um, what was that? Periscope. Oh no, yeah, no, no, yeah, no. yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. like I'm talking way back. A bazillion years ago. Yes. That's that how we first met because yes. Cause you had like skyrocketed on Periscope. Yeah. And then you were having to scramble to start a podcast because Periscope disappeared. Yes. Well, it was, it was on the way out for sure. Yes, it was dying. Yes. yes. Yeah. So now that, that one's been sealed. Thankfully. Yes. I'm like, I, yes. I'm, I'm good with leaving those Periscope days in the past. <laughs> <laughs> but Dark yeah, days. that was, that was the start of it all for sure. And so it's been fun to get to connect back and forth, but I think we both have kind of come into this newer season. I mean, I think our podcasts have obviously both changed a lot over the years. It used mm-hmm. to be like a ton of authors and that kind of thing. And I feel like we've both gone more the way of people we actually want to have on the show. Yes. <laughs> Instead yes. of just Well, and you know, looking back, it was such a when we started the, our podcast, like it wasn't a marketing arm of things that people were trying to promote. No. And, and then it kind of became that. And I, I don't know if, and you, you and I both fell into this. We're like, we're like, oh gosh, there's just like this wealth of people to choose from. Yeah. They're you seeking know, me out. Correct. And when you're needing weekly content, you're like, yeah. well, this, this is great. I'm like booked out for a year. This is awesome. Yeah. But then that grind, I just started felt like, I felt like I was having to talk about, and it didn't happen often, but there was a couple of cases where I was like, gosh, I don't really, I wouldn't really read this book or I wouldn't really recommend this book. And it was like, I just want to be back to my roots of who do I want to talk to? And what do I always laugh when I tell people my show and you probably feel this way too. I'm like, what do I need help with? And I'm just going to find the best person I can talk to get free counseling. That's all all that I'm looking (laughs) for. And and that's really what, what it is. Yeah. Or what's the stuff I'm just like really legitimately interested in yes. and I want to learn more about. Okay. Yes. Those are the people that I want exactly. to on the show. And, you know, at first it felt like such an honor, like, oh my goodness, they're like seeking me out and I'm getting all these books in the mail and this is amazing. And now it's like, when I see those packages come in, I'm like, no, (laughs) don't send me your books. I'm just going to have to go to Goodwill. Like I, I, I and it's nothing against them, but you do see like these trends coming across your desk where it's like, there's eight books that are all mm-hmm. very, very similar to the same thing. And, yes. and I'm sure they're all great, but it's just, there's this, so, well, there's so much content and it has just become this marketing thing. And I started to feel like, Hey, wait a minute. This is my show. <laughs> like right. I don't owe you anything. You're yes. I'm giving you a platform. And I felt like sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes when the authors came on, they felt like they were doing me a favor. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I think that was very true to how it is. Um, and then I think let's go even deeper. You and I are both, aren't we both Enneagram threes? Oh, yes, we forms. are. Yes. So I tend to go, okay, I want to succeed in this, but I have to be unique. And so yeah, yeah. the more shows that launched that were very similar or, or the more shows that had the same guest on, it was like, oh, yeah. I'm not being unique in any way. And yeah. so then that was a hard thing because then that just went kind of against my very nature. Yeah. And then you were hard pressed to try to make the specific interview with that person different from all the other mm-hmm. inter- interviews they were doing. 
Yes. And, and it just, yeah, it felt like, well, why would people listen to this on my show if they're listening to it on 800 other shows? Correct. Correct. And yeah. it's not that I don't ever want to have authors on because if it's somebody I know and I know I love their work, then yeah, of course, I'm going to mm-hmm. want to have them on. But I also like to be at least fairly knowledgeable about the book. I don't want to yeah. just read, you know, the media kit that I was sent and their like bullet pointed questions that they've sent me. Like I want right. to be really familiar with the material. And, and if thoughtful. You're, yes. And, and ha- be able to have like a legitimate discussion about what they've written in their book. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to grind out a book a week for an interview, that, oh, I, I, it really took a toll on my reading life. Yes. Because well, I will say you, your listeners need to know that you do that well. Like you really oh. are someone who is thoughtful to your approach to an interview and you make sure you do your research. Cause I've been on other shows that they haven't even, not only did they not read the book, but then they didn't even do the research on like who I was. And you're going, gosh, how did you even like pull this interview out? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and so you really do a thoughtful job and oh. you do your homework. And I do think that that, you know, puts you in a different, a different place than other shows. Well, thank you. I mean, I try to be a good interviewer, you know, a yes. three, I try to be, I know. Best we got to do this well. Yeah. Right, right, right. I feel that. <laughs> It was so funny though, as I was reading this book, I just, there were so many times I was like, oh my gosh, like it's the same, it's the same thing. Like the competitiveness or you'd mentioned like needing to be um, efficient and productive and like all of these things all throughout it. I was like, oh my gosh, she's just speaking my language. Like I completely understand the perspective she's coming from. Yeah. It's a thing. It is a thing. It is Mm -hmm. a thing. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's so fun though, especially because we were kind of talking about this before we started the show, but your book, it's called a mother's guide to raising herself. What parenting taught me about life, faith, and myself. And even at that, I was kind of like, well, I don't, I don't know what to expect with this, Mm -hmm. but we are both now at these points in our parenting where we're a little farther down the line. We're a little bit older than we were when we just had little kids. And it was like this very stark reminder of what I was as a mother when I was Mm -hmm. younger, you know, especially as a three trying to be this like, know it all, do it all mom and, and how much I've been able to grow in that. And I could Mm -hmm. kind of look back and appreciate some things about that, like owning who I am as a mom and it being okay that I'm not going to be the one who like caters an event for my kids Right. (laughs) Right. right. You know, like to have let go of some of those things. I mean, even at a recent birthday party for my kids, I think my parents were laughing at me because like Roman's first birthday party, I made like a three tiered cake with, you know, individual Mm -hmm. gifts for each. Yeah. With, for each kid, they had like a little bucket with their name monogrammed on it. And, you know, like, I mean, it was so ridiculously over the top for one-year-olds and just dumb. I rented out like yes. a hotel room to have this party. Oh yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. And now I'm you achieved like, that. You yes, did the best. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> it was the best party. And now I'm like, oh yeah, we're like celebrating your birthday today. You want like some ice cream? 
And I got to see if I have some candles <laughs> that I can pull together right. for that. Right. Like right. you just learn like what you can let go, what you don't yes. have to be obsessed about everything. Right. And man, that's freeing. Right. And you know what, if like, that's the worst thing that your kid experiences because of you, they're like, my mom only served me ice cream on my yeah. birthday. Like, okay, you're going to be fine. You know? Yeah. There's a whole lot more hardship that can, that we can, you know, that our kids can go through because of us. And that if it's, if it's a birthday party, we're okay. Like, yeah. that's what I keep reminding. I'm like, yeah. you're fine. But I'm not yes. a birthday party girl either. I'm like, sorry guys. I yeah. want to be, I really do. I, I wish know. I was that for you. I wish you could have that over the top mom for that. Yeah. But it's not me. It's just not me. Yeah. yeah. And I tried and I, but I tried to do all the things which you talk about in this book too. And it's like, yes. we, we got to just like, let go of that. Okay. I want to yes. come back to that in a okay. second because okay. I want to go a little bit more into your history as a writer, because you talk okay. about that a lot in this book that, mm -hmm. you know, when you had new baby and you were trying to write full time and you did publish a book mm -hmm. many moons ago, and yes. now you're, you're doing it again. And I would love to just hear about that. The differences between the two experiences, like your whole perspective on what writing is now versus then man, it is very different. You know, I have always loved a microphone. So yeah. it's no shocker that, that I love podcasting. Yeah. Um, I've loved performing. Like my goal as like a little girl all the way through high school was to be Miss America. Uh, it didn't work. So if you guys are like, let me Google and see if she made yeah. it. I didn't make it. Um, but I never even like got the opportunity, but that was like my genuine dream. I was like, cause if I can be Miss America, then I'll be known. And then I can do this. It was like the, you know, it's total, total three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so I just have always loved that. And, you know, I, I had opportunities early in life from working at different camps as I was in college to leading different groups to realize I just really loved communicating mm -hmm. and I'd always loved writing. And so that was kind of the avenue that I landed in, in my early twenties, um, shortly out of college was just like working for a church when I was that age. And I had opportunities to speak and to write, and I just loved it. Um, and so my first book was published when I was 27 is when it came out okay. and it was about my story with, um, my body image and eating disorders. And I, and I talk a little bit in this current book about it, um, but, and that, and that is just something that has been, you know, that's, I, I guess you write what you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I write the life that I've lived. And, um, at that point I wrote about that and, um, and it, gosh, it was so different. So I was in my late twenties. I, I felt like my twenties were very, I guess the word to describe them were very confident. Mm, it was mm -hmm. like, well, yeah, why not? Sure. I can do that. Like, what do you want me to do? Oh yeah. I can do that. Like, yeah. even if I had no experience. Like, oh yeah, I can do that. I'm sure that's a very three thing as well. Yeah. But um, anyways, so I, I published that book and I was like traveling and speaking. And, um, and then that was 27. I had Sinclair when I was 30 and it was my, and not only did I have Sinclair, which totally rocked my world. I did not know what motherhood actually was. Like I had only raised baby dolls at that point. Yeah. And they were, <laughs> they were great. Yeah. Um, so I was totally rocked. Um, but at the exact same time as facing this really hard thing in motherhood and realizing, oh, I don't know anything. This is really hard. I don't feel like I'm good at it. And my kid cries all the time. Like, yeah. so this is not good. 
I also faced a professional like writing rejection where someone was like, oh, this is not good enough for us. We're going to hire someone else. And that was really the first big professional rejection that I had faced. And it just, those two things, it was like the perfect storm. So it just shut me down. So I just stopped writing because not only could I, you know, my kid was like so exhausting. So I couldn't form sentences from any words that then I just did. I lost all confidence that I wasn't good enough. Yeah. Like the seemingly person that I viewed as an expert said I wasn't good enough. So I just stopped. And, um, so it took me about maybe four years to really work through that rejection of getting to the point to go just because they didn't like your writing doesn't make you a bad writer. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a really, that was a really long journey. Yeah. So once I walked through that, then it was, you know, my girls were a little bit older and I was ready to kind of try again. So I dipped my toe and that's back in the like blogging days. So I dipped my toe into some blogging and then had the idea for the podcast and launched the podcast and just felt completely in love with podcasting. Was yeah. Like, Why would I ever write another blog? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But deep down, even though I felt like I had worked through, like I said, that, that rejection, I felt like there still was that, um, that fear. I do feel mm-hmm. like my thirties were very fearful and there was a sense of fear of if I try to write again, you know, here I was a published person. Most people I was interacting with in these early days of podcasting, they were all a little bit younger than me. And they all were trying to get published for the first time. I was, well, I've been published. I'm like, wait, what? You've already been published. It's like the Holy grail. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but I was so afraid. I still had that fear, that voice in your head saying, you're actually not good enough. Like mm-hmm. you could try, let's just, just don't try. Like, forget that. Let's just don't try. Yeah. And, um, and so I felt like by the time I was in my late thirties, I really had come a long way and going, you know what? I like to write and I feel like I have something I want to say. And I think I want to try this again. And I want to try to um, achieve this thing that this set this goal that um, is, I feel like it's, you know, I don't know if it's any harder to reach than it was back then. It's definitely, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I know the landscape from the sense of, I, I kind of fell into it in both ways, really. I mean, mm-hmm. I worked for it and I prepared for it. And then it happened. Um, but it took all these years of going, no, I'm ready to try again. And I, and I had come so far of going, I may fail. Like I got to the point in my late thirties where I was like, I want to try to do things that I might fail at, which is yeah. you know, totally. free to say really hard. Um, yes. Cause I was like, I need to know that I'll be able to stand back up, that this failure is not going to be a knock on my value. It's not going to be a knock yeah. on like, I'm not going to die from it. Like we're going to try to do this. And, um, and so that was really some of the motivation was like, all right, let's do this. Let's try again. Um, and then here we are, you know, the book is written. Um, but you know, it's it's like, and as far as writing goes, you're asking the differences. I mean, when I launched that book, when I was 27, there was no social media. Yeah. I mean, it was like, I don't even think there was a book launch, like air quote launch day. It was like, I think I got notified that the book was out. Like, all right, it's out crazy. Like, you can like, you can like sell it. Do you want to buy some to sell when you go speak places or, you know what I mean? Like there was no yeah. Amazon. There was none of that. So it was crazy. just such a different world back then um, than it is today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I've been, you know, looking into the 
book proposal yes. writing process, yeah. which yeah. I don't really talk about it a whole lot yet. Cause it's like that scary. Like, I don't really want yeah. people to know if this goes nowhere, but it, it's like, there's so much of that process that is just dedicated to, all right, how creative can you be in figuring out how to get this book into the world, especially if your numbers aren't very good. And it's like, yeah, oh, that's yes. rough. But you know what? I feel like now, and I'm, I'm so thankful for it, you know, back when I first was published, you know, self-publishing had kind of a, you know, uh, people kind of look down on it and now yeah. like self-publishing is such a thing and it's such yeah. a great thing. Yeah. And, and so now it's kind of like, I feel like that's, that's a big difference that has changed because now if you can't get into the major publishing houses, like you still have an opportunity to put your creative work and your meaningful work out into the world. And yeah, that's, that's really true. Thing. Yeah, I agree. It, that was a really interesting part of, cause I was actually a part of a writing cohort with an mm -hmm. agent. And it was so interesting to hear her talking about that and the really the different options that are out there that are very valid and so many like smaller, almost like self-publishing houses that are helping you with that process. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. just really interesting how many options there are for getting your work out into the world now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just don't, I don't think it's as scary as it or unattainable as yeah. it used to be. Yeah, for sure. And sometimes like they were telling us, if you get that, if you do the self-publishing thing, that same work can still end up getting picked up later by oh, yeah. a legit publisher, oh, which is really sure. encouraging too. It's yeah. not like that happened. That happened to a friend of mine, her really? another, she self-published last year and then a publishing house picked up the, and asked her to do the audiobook of it. Oh, wow. And so yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that definitely can happen. That's awesome. Now, did you do your audiobook? Have you gotten it I all done? Did. I did. Did, did you do it yourself so or did you go to a studio? No, they sent me to Nashville um, and I recorded in the studio and, and it was just, it was so fun. Cause this is, it's like podcasting. You're getting to yeah. like you know, say all the words, but I, I mean, it was a lot of words. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> Would you do tons of like voiceover work and all that? Like you're yeah. just reading reading a lot of words, um, but it was so yeah. fun. And I'm so glad that it's my voice getting to like, tell yes, the story. yes. I, it always, for nonfiction, it's really hard for me when it's not the actual author because mm -hmm, it's like, too. it's their real perspective. I just want to hear from them. Right. But so you didn't have to edit it. That's a no. glorious thing because yes. that's the brutal part, man. That's the worst part. Oh, because yeah. you record it, but it's like three times the amount of time to edit it. And yes. even though I feel like, I mean, I'm a voice actor. That's part of my job. I feel like I can sound pretty engaging when I need to. I put myself to sleep. Like I can't yeah. edit one of my own podcasts to save my life because <laughs> my eyes will just start like drooping. Over. Like I can't handle, I can't yeah. handle listening to myself for one more minute. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The editing is no fun. Yeah, for sure. I just yeah. got a voiceover job that's like, for, you know, like corporate training and it's like two and a half hours, which I know oh. in reality is like four hours of editing, listening to myself. <laughs> no. Oh, and it's like lot. dry corporate training. Yes. That's what I say. It's not know? like an engaging topic. Yeah. So it's not yeah. the wizard of Oz. It is right. Here's nope. how to use this product. <laughs> yes. But there it pays the go. bills. So exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. So we've talked about a lot of the backstory here of you getting here, but this book, I mean, it slaps. You are like <laughs> laying down some stuff here. 
And I guess I kind of want to preface it for people who are listening to this show. You will probably be challenged by some things in this book, but I want to encourage people to be willing to get a little uncomfortable and to really think about things because I'm not asking you to like revolutionize the way you think about everything about your faith or your life or whatever. But I think we tend to get a little set in our ways and we're having enough of a revolution in the world at large, in the church at large right now that I think it, it bears the weight that we need to be reconsidering some things. Mm -hmm. And I think you do a really good job in this book of thinking about our perspectives about things thinking about how we approach the world, how we present ourselves to the world. And I just, even if people don't agree with everything you have to say, I think that they should listen. I think that's a big part right now of a lot of what people are lacking is the ability to listen and then critically think for themselves before they answer. Yes. And I think you do a really good job in this book of presenting those kinds of things that we can think about especially as moms who are like further down the line in our journey of mothering to look back on and think, Hmm, what do I really think about that? Who am I really? Yeah. What made you say like, this is the book I'm going to (laughs) write. Oh my goodness. I don't even know that I set out originally to write this book. Um, but when I set out to write, when I, you know, came to that point, I was like, you know what, let's try to fail. Let's see what we can do. (laughs) Um, and the very first thing I wrote was a chapter called motherhood is not a calling. Yes. Oh, it was so good. And it was the, I mean, it was just like brewing in me. It was just one of those things where I just like, I have to get this out. I have to push at this because I had had too many conversations and read too many things that was just, I felt like squashing mothers and pinning them down and not giving permission for moms to be who they are and to see the bigger picture and to realize there's like, like there's, there's a privilege to even like that argument of that. Oh, we're saying that motherhood is the highest calling that you could do. Well, what about the mom who, who, the woman who can't have children? And she wants to be a mom, the woman who is waiting to have children until she gets married and she's single and 45. What about the woman who just can't, you know, all these things I'm going, that is Yeah. Well, the single moms, I love how you say like the American perspective that there are, if it can't, I've heard Jamie Nato talk about this recently. I've heard it a few different places and I'm like, yes, because if in a third world country, it can't Mm. be true for them, then it's not gospel. Like there are so many women in this world who don't have that option to just be stay at home mom. So that can't be the ultimate and only thing that God wants for all of us. Exactly. Exactly. And so, um, so that was just what poured out of me. And, um, and so as I kind of sat with in every week, I'd kind of try to write a couple of different things and it was really just, and as I started to look at the, you know, I think when I made the proposal, I'd maybe written like two or three chapters. And then, you know, then I just like fudged some idea of what a book could be just to get my foot in the door. Right. Um, but it really was coming down to, golly, here I am. And I think, you know, I was turning 40. It was very midlife bookish, you know, and of going, man, I have evolved and I had changed 
And I have really like I looking at aspects of life and of relationships and myself big time and my faith really big, looking at those things going, there has been a really big evolution that has happened. And as I kind of pulled back the curtain, I saw, oh, those, those girls I'm raising are actually the biggest catalyst of why that's yeah. happened. And yeah. it, it truly was looking at them and going, I am talking to them because I want this for them. I'm, I'm, I'm presenting things to them and the way that I'm talking to them, but, but don't I want that for me? Yeah. <laughs> and don't I believe that? Do I believe that to be true for me? Um, and it just, so there was, I was constantly being presented that tension over those years of parenting. And, and so when I was writing, I was realizing that's what's coming out. It's coming out all the ways that I have grown and changed and evolved. And, and I just really wanted to share that because I felt like there's some women that needed to be given that permission to, or women that needed yeah. to go, oh, I'm not the only crazy one. If this is crazy, then I'm not the only one because at least Sarah Bragg is crazy too. Yeah. We're okay, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's really why this book kind of came into existence. Yeah. Ladies, let's take a second to talk about skincare. You know, I'm a huge fan of skincare. If you've listened to this show for any length of time, I think it's so important to be taking care of our skin for not only the way we look, but also our health and also for our teens. But you know what? Skincare can be a little daunting. There are hundreds of options, lots of different marketing claims, and you can end up spending hundreds of dollars on the latest miracle product, but not even know what it does. And it turns out that most skincare products don't do a whole lot, especially when it comes to acne, which is what we have found with my son. And really, the best way to treat acne is with fewer products that are clinically proven and customized to your skin. That's why I am so excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne, and that is exactly what they have done for my 15-year-old. Apostrophe connects you with a board-certified dermatologist who will create a personal personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your unique skin. You simply fill out Apostrophe's online quiz about your skin goals and medical history, then snap a few selfies and your dermatologist will create your customized treatment plan. Apostrophe treats acne, but they also help with other skincare goals, like reducing redness, wrinkles, and even dark spots. When we decided to use Apostrophe, it was specifically for my teenager's skin. He was having those typical breakouts that he wasn't wanting to have, was feeling embarrassed about, and didn't want to have to go into an office that also would have been incredibly expensive for us to be dealing with. We just didn't want to do that whole thing. So we used apostrophe. We got back his treatment plan within 24 hours. Within just a few days, we had his new cream that he was using on his face, and he has had such great results that I don't have to remind him to do it because he sees how much it has changed his skin. He does it on his own, which is like a miracle, you guys. I have been so happy with the experience that we have had with Apostrophe. We keep coming back for more, and I am so thankful for how easy they have made it for my son 
fun to have clear, confident skin. And I have a special deal for my audience. You can save $15 off your first visit with a board-certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash livewell when you use my code livewell. This code is only available to my listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash livewell and click begin visit. Then use my code livewell at sign up and you'll get $15 off your dermatology visit. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash live well and use that code live well to get your dermatology visit and save $15. And I just want to thank Apostrophe for sponsoring Live Well Anyway. I love that perspective on things. And when you're talking about, you know, if I'm saying it to them, then I have to be living it for myself. And I have to be figuring that out sort of for me first so that I can authentically show them. And I think it's so important that we, I've been talking about this so much lately in Patreon and on the podcast and all kinds of different places. Like we have to figure out who we are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as much as you want to say, you don't lose yourself in motherhood, there is a shift that happens Mm -hmm. when you have kids and, and when you get to certain places in your life where you have to sit back and rethink some things, I mean, obviously like I turned my whole life upside down and was right. like, this right. is not okay. The way this is going. And I had to yeah. be willing to put everything on the chopping block. Like mm-hmm. I looked at, I, I considered everything down to, is that even my favorite color? <laughs> like, yes. I mean, yes. I had to reconsider all of it to be yeah. able to own it. And when I could look at it and say, like, guess what? It's okay that I don't just want to be a mom. It's okay Mm -hmm. that I really like having these other things to pursue. And it's good for me to be able to show my kids that they can work hard and they can do things and they they can be more than what the box is. You know, I mean, I think that that is a valuable and good thing. And I mean, even as, even as a single mom, I know I am like beyond blessed that I get to work from home, that I get to set my own hours and, you know, still be totally present with my kids. But even at that, you know, I have to tell them in the summer, like, Hey, I know you don't actually realize that I work because you totally. do see me here all the time, right. but they don't think you do. <laughs> yeah. Like there, there is a way that this roof stays over our head and it means that mom has to work. So, you know, it's not just like free for all in the summer, <laughs> you know, like right. we, we do have to do that stuff, but I think it's good for them to know that the world doesn't totally revolve around them. I yeah. mean, well, and you know, well, you know what, I want to point this up because I yeah. love that you talked about how when your life turns upside down, that was the point where you had to re like put everything, as you said, on the chopping block. Yeah. And I think that's what I, I write at one point in the book about pain. I don't like pain. I don't yeah. ever want to feel pain. Like I just want to avoid it at all costs. However, pain makes us pay attention to whatever is going on. Yeah. And so when your life turned upside down, that was painful and it was so much pain, but it forced you to pay attention to go, oh, this has been my life. What is the life that I actually want and who actually yeah. I am? And that's, and that's, and so I feel like there's for people listening, there's so many different pain points for me, you know, I was raising 
girls was really hard. And one of my girls like really pushed all my buttons all the time, just was going to fight me on everything. And that was a pain point that yeah. made me start pay attention of going, mm-hmm. Oh, what, what is going on here? This is what's been going on. What do I really want for the future? Who am I really? And so I feel like there's, it doesn't have to just be kids. Like if you have no kids, there yeah. is, yeah. you could, I think everybody can point to a pain point to go, this is a catalyst of growth opportunity, whatever mm-hmm. that may be. Yeah. Well, and even kind of expounding on that, you talk in the book about listening to our bodies and how mm. emotions are like a bodily function. <laughs> like it's yes. our body's yes. response to things. And I think, I don't know about you, but as a three for me, like I want to like squelch that, like, no, yes. let's not Move do right that. Yeah. Let's yes. not be emotional. Let's not cry. Let's, you know, like we got to just yep. keep picking ourselves up and moving forward. But I loved how you, you pointed that out and that that's like a, a physiological response that's worth listening to. Yes. And, you know, I grew up in a way and, and it's, you know, it's not, my parents never said your body is wrong. It was, I think it was very much inferred from the church that I grew Mm -hmm. up in and somehow, and maybe where you start to think your body is bad and it's different from the Holy spirit. And so if your body is saying one thing, you can't trust it. And then, you know, it gets really complicated. You're like, well, then who is the, like, he's supposed to live in me. Like, I mean, there would just be a mountain of questions that would then fall from that. But what I started to notice as I was raising my girls was that I was not telling them their body was wrong. I would see them on the way to school and, you know, Sinclair started sixth grade and she was sitting in the front seat. We're driving to school and she's like, my stomach hurts really bad. Yeah. I was like, well, what do you think is going on? Why do you think like, responding with questions instead of going, your body is wrong. Like yeah. you shouldn't, you know, and it was going, maybe your body's you're fine, to, right? Your body's yeah. just trying to say, pay attention. So I tell her like, well, what did your body's trying to say? Pay attention. Is everything okay? Like, do I need to freak out? Like your body wants to protect you is literally trying to protect you. So it's trying to see assess the situation. Am I going to get attacked when I walk in the door? Like, or yeah. am I just feeling a little bit nervous because it's new situation and I don't quite know like what schedule is today? Is it A or B? Like, and we would just talk through these things. And as I would help her with that, I was going, gosh, I don't ever do that for myself. Like I, you know, I had to work through all those things of, you know, if my body is having this certain emotion, I don't need to shut it down because it's wrong. I need to pay attention and go, yeah. this is just like, I don't know about you at, when the first time I ever went to counseling and she was like, what do you feel? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. What do you mean? Feel? Yeah. I don't, I yeah. don't know any feelings. And she like whipped out this like feelings chart. And I was like, Oh, there's like 85 feelings. I've yeah. never even heard. Yeah. Um, and so that was just the nature of how it was. I was like, I just don't, unless it's happy, you know, yeah. I'm just not going to face it. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's what, you know, but, but learning by talking to my kids, I'm learned I've got to pay attention to what I'm feeling and it's okay to be sad. And it's okay yeah. to feel grief. We don't need to pass through it and try to move to a celebration. Sometimes you just need to feel grief. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to be sad and that's okay. Yeah. And I think especially, I don't know, I, I am one of a long line of women who picked themselves up by their bootstraps and kept moving forward, even when life was incredibly difficult. And you get used to living in that sort of a way where it's like, nope, don't have time for emotions. 
We got to get stuff done. People need to be taken care of. But when I had to realize for myself, like, okay, I'm actually going to do a better job of taking care of everybody. If I maybe grapple with some of these emotions and let myself feel them and then get back up again, like go ahead and have the breakdown, have the cry, do whatever, and know that you're, that's like actually a cleansing thing to do that. I mean, like you were saying about the counselor, the first time she asked me like, where do you feel that in your body? (laughs) It's like, well, I never thought about that. I guess my my chest is tight and I feel like I can't (laughs) breathe and like I'm feeling hot and like, you know, oh, like I didn't ever, it never really connected for me. Well, you know, this is, this might be a hot take of a story, but, um, I think it's good for moms to allow your children within reason for them to see you grapple with negative emotions, to to grapple with sadness. Um, I think it's a good opportunity for them to flex their empathy muscles um, that if they see that mom is sad, that they get to practice mom, are you okay? Why are you sad? And they, and those sweet little like angels will hug you because yeah. They just are so good at empathy when they were little and, and cause it's so natural to them. And that sometimes we, in our effort to be strong and to not worry our children, we don't let yeah. them see some little bits of sadness. And I remember I knew someone I was, we were gathered for like a dinner and she had a really hard day. Like a really, and this is, this friend is like the Labrador of people. Like just always happy, just, you know, and she was sad and her kids have never seen her sad. And she said, you know, as her kids were like hugged her, she said, well, this is good because they, they saw that, that even mom needs Jesus. And I looked at her and I said, no, it's good that they see that you need them. Gosh, how great. That's the hot take that I feel like it's not, we're not trying to negate Jesus. We're trying to say, we need each other. And there's something beautiful that happens when you allow even your children to be the ones to get to empathize with you and to comfort you, that it's less about making sure that they see a need for Jesus in their lives when life is hard and more of going, gosh, look at this. I had these physical humans to hug me and to love me and to just be with me in that moment. That's a beautiful opportunity for our children. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I love that whole chapter where you talked about fitting in versus belonging and how Mm -hmm. our families, like that's what we should be trying to foster is like, that's the ultimate place. Like we want them to belong other places too. I want my kids to experience that, but I want them to know that this place is like where they ultimately belong. And it's been so interesting too, as I'm you know, working on blending with another family right now, you know, that's a whole new thing of forming this whole new family culture and a sense of belonging for all of them that has its own challenges, but it's also so sweet to see. And it's a challenge I'm like eager to take on. I Mm, want all of these kids to experience that, that wherever they go out into the world, when they come back here, we are the same. We are consistent. We are a rock. They're always loved and they always belong here. Yes. Amen. They can be who they are. Yeah. No matter who they are, they can believe what they believe, think what they think, act how they act in that no matter what they're loved right here. Welcome right here. Yes. Yeah. 
I mean, and, and there were so many other things that you even talked about that I think we just, we, our perspective on it. Okay. I'm getting to the, where you talk about joy and actually mm -hmm. working for joy. And I think that mm -hmm. I love what you had to say is that it takes work. Like it's mm -hmm. all well and fine to pray for things and we should pray. And I'm not saying don't pray. And I don't think you are either, but it's right. like, there are certain things that I think God does expect us to, to do something. <laughs> like, yes. Don't just sit here waiting for everything. You know, I can yes. pray for provision all I want. And maybe that check is just going to randomly show up in the mail from somebody who just decided to send me one, but more mm -hmm. often than not, I need to show up to do the work, to have it yes. blessed, to have myself provided for, Yes, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's definitely one of those things. Um, I don't know that I ever heard that about like when you hope for something like, well, I hope it works out. Like, I hope I'd have m money to pay the bills. And that's what you're saying is going, well, like, am I waiting for just like money to fall out of the sky? Yeah. <laughs> but hope from a research like place is, you know, seeing what you need, what you want, making a plan going after it and then sticking with it, like having yeah. the grit, the moxie to work hard. And even if you fail at something, it's not because you didn't put your hope in the right person or the hope in the right thing. It was, yeah. well, I worked to try to do that. And I think that is, that was a freeing thing for me to understand waiting for, for God to do something while you can wait. I'm not ignoring that factor. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's like there's we're we're create he created us to work like he created us mm -hmm. to to think to dream to set goals to have moxie like all these things and so it's putting into play and into action what we're really created to do yeah yeah and including for something as simple as finding joy and happiness like there are right. things you can do right. I mean you talk about it in the book like gratitude yes. is a practice and I I really liked how you said I was like ooh. That's a, that's a hot take there. Like you're not just trying to gather up a list of a thousand things. Yes. Sorry to throw a little shade at our oh. sister, Anne, yeah. but I could not do a thousand. I was like, when I started numbering it I, and it's probably our Enneagram threeness, I was yes. like trying to like complete yep. this list and do this thing. Yep. And I just couldn't do it. But yep. what I started doing instead was every morning during my like morning routine of what I would do, I'd get my coffee favorite journal. And I would just write at the top of the page, thankful for, and then I would just sit there for a minute and think back to yesterday. And I would think what made me smile yesterday. And it was some, just most of the time it was just simply ordinary things, you know, yeah. or gosh, I really am like pandemic. I am, we got down to like one roll of toilet paper at one point. And I'm like, oh. I am so thankful <laughs> that my neighbor had toilet paper and yeah. they share, you know what I mean? Like it was like, it just was, that made me smile. And so I think it really comes down to, you know, it's not an attitude. You can't just like, I'm going to have the attitude of joy. And it's, yeah. but it's, it really is a daily work and effort of noticing what makes you smile around you and, and yeah. the good that you have where you are, even if it's a hard situation, being able to look up and look around and, and find something that can make you smile. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that idea. And I totally agree with, 
when I started numbering them, it became like a competition with yes. myself over it works joy. for some people. Yeah. Our yeah. Kind of totally. people, yeah. No, then it's counterproductive. Yeah. <laughs> it was yep. like, I just got to come up with these 10 things today so I can get to a thousand faster than any of my friends, you know, like whatever, exactly. whatever dumb thing that when Bless you just do, I know yeah. when you do it for the sake of looking for those things, mm. then it, it yeah. becomes something different. Yes. Yes. Well, absolutely. Honestly, I feel like I, this book, it's got pink highlighter all mm. over the inside of it. I, I don't think it. there's a single page that doesn't have something in here that I'm just like, oh, I'm going to need to return to that. And I want to think about that more deeply. And so many things that resonated. I felt like I could have done like a 12 week series with you. Like, let's mm. talk about one chapter every week okay, because let's do it. I'm it was here for just it. so good. <laughs> oh, and I really, you. I really want people to get out of their comfort zones and read it and consider things. And I I think that you've done a beautiful job of creating something. And it's not like your chapters are short. You're very succinct with what you say. It's not an overwhelmingly long book. I love that about Mm -hmm. it. Like it just, it feels so thoughtfully written and I could just, I could appreciate the craft that you put into it. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, hey, I, just, I don't have time to read long chapters. Like I'm reading yeah. a fiction book right now. That's like 20 pages every chapter. I'm like, I will never get through this book. Yeah. I need things to, yes. you know, like, I, like, I just want to get to the end of the chapter and be like, look at me. I just yeah. did that. Like I yes. just read a chapter. Right. Yes. Because we're three and we need to see yes. the accomplishment. So I wrote it as a three for <laughs> everyone. You know, it's like when I'm on my Kindle, I want the, the little thing that says how many minutes are left in the chapter to be yes. like five or less. Like, I don't, I don't want that to say I'm reading a book right now, which apparently maybe doesn't even have chapters because it's like, like, you have an hour and 30 minutes left in this chapter. You're like, I'm going to die while reading this book. Yeah. I don't care how good it is. I don't care how interesting Nora Ephron is. If the chapter lasts two hours, I can't can't do it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Okay. We're going to move into the, the closing portion okay. of the podcast now. And I would love to know what a typical day looks like for you. Okay. Typical day. Um, I'm not going to count summer because okay. nothing's ever typical, right? right. I don't I know. Agree. I guess I could. My day always starts the same. So maybe we can at least have that continuity. Yeah. Um, I, I wake up um, and my, I have to have coffee immediately. So I use a bun coffee maker, you know, it's like bun is like the, like restaurants use bun, but anyways, it brews a whole pot in three minutes. So, you know, I mean, I'm saying immediate, we need it immediately. (laughs) Um, and so I just go and I get a cup of coffee and I sit for a few minutes, just waking up. I like to play solitaire and I felt very validated when I read somewhere that very creative people like solitaire is like a really good thing for creative people. Like it helps you. I'm, I'm, I'm running with it. I took hold yeah. of it. I'm like, I'm yeah. here for this. Um, and, and, and then I eventually will like read and journal and that sort of thing. I, I love moleskin journals with those little squares. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite Something about the squares I love. Um, so yeah, so that's every morning. Um, and then I try to walk, um, in the summertime, it's usually for sure in the morning. Um, cause it's like a billion degrees in Georgia, oh, well, yeah. Tennessee. That's where I live now. New, yeah. new, new residents still get yeah. used to it. Um, but it's just so hot. So, but I do try to walk usually in the mornings after that before I start work. And then I just, you know, sit down and 
I'm usually, I'm a content editor to a contractor. So I do some work on that, work on my podcast or work on the book. Um, and so that's typically the day. And then the girls get home at school around like three 30 and mm-hmm. then, or like now they're just home forever, you know, cause it's yeah. um, <laughs> or with the pandemic, it's like, are you yes. ever going back? Are you, are you going back? Who knows? Yeah. Um, but that's a typical like work day. And I try to, I try to get outside, especially in the pleasant time. Um, we have horses, so we are, you know, feeding horses in the morning, feeding horses in the evening and, um, that sort of thing. But, um, we have golf carts. So I try to take a little golf cart ride every day just to be outside for a little bit. But, but that is, that's the typical day is I just, I want to get some reading and journaling in some, some form of exercise and usually walking. And, um, and then a few hours of work. That sounds really good. Okay. What is one little way that you live well anyway, just some little pleasure or, you know, thing you do to take care of yourself in the midst of life's chaos? Yes. Um, I would say for sure walking. I, um, during the pandemic, I walked Oh gosh. I mean, I probably took like four walks a day. Just yeah. That was my only out avenue. Yeah. But, um, just walking has been so good. And lately I'm trying something new and I'm not great at meditation. I'm not mm-hmm. great at like sit sitting. I, I meditate. If I'm in the shower, that's a great place to meditate. Cause there's something else to do or drying my hair. Uh, I'm <laughs> like, I think those need to be forms of meditation. Now I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put it out there. That's yeah. easy. But I've been running like a mile a day. And just okay. a mile, like I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to run like a marathon. I'm not yeah. trying to build up to something, but I go without any earbuds and I just run. And I think about, <laughs> there's a lot of pain that happens because I'm not a runner. Um, but I use it as like a, a grounding. You, you've heard that exercise where you're like, you know, think of like five things you see, five things you smell, five things yeah. you taste, like go through all your senses. And, um, and so I've just been kind of doing that lately as a little meditation. And that's been really um, pleasurable, which there's pain involved because you're running, but yeah. I don't know. I've enjoyed it. That sounds really hard, <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. but also yep. really good. I mean, I, I have even found how to hack drying my hair in order to not be alone with my thoughts because I oh. have earbuds that are noise canceling. So oh, I can funny. listen to a podcast or I can watch a show and I can also put on subtitles <laughs> You are so funny. No, I think I get so many creative ideas, whether it's in the shower or drying my hair. This is true. This is true. I do have a lot of creative ideas in the shower. Yeah. Yeah. If I, if I don't put on a podcast, cause I have a a echo. I almost said the name. I won't say that, but I have one in my bathroom. So I totally like the very, very few quiet times. Yep. I know. I know. I think you should do it. You should let it let yeah, just sit with your thoughts. Yes. Sit with your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you ready for my stock questions? Yes. All right. Candles or essential oil diffuser? Candles. All right. Cloth napkins or paper? Mm, I want to be cloth, but I'm paper. Yeah. Okay. City or Bowls. country? Yeah. Well, country now. Yeah, now. Uh, paper or digital? Paper. Okay. Shopping. Would you rather do it online or in the store? Online. All right. It's whatever time you're making dinner and you need a mental break. Do you listen to a podcast or music? My record player all the way. Oh, nice. And what do you listen Mm -hmm. to on there? Okay. So my current favorite is, um, 
I got, I just recently bought Taylor Swift's lover. Oh, okay. And I just love it. It's so good. Or, but before that it was like Leon Bridges, one of his albums and the girls like to the point where like, if they ever, like they would hear like, Oh, mom must be cooking. Like, they would hear that album, the like, mom's cooking. That's, That's what's going funny. on. That's <laughs> hilarious. I love that though. That's so like chic. Yeah, Very totally. Cool. Yeah. Chocolate, milk or dark? Dark. All right. Sports or no sports? Sports all the way. Yeah. Live broadcasting. Would you rather broadcast or watch? Broadcast. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. Shocker, everyone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite movie? Hmm. Okay. I'm just going to go with my very first thought. What about Bob? Okay. That yeah, is a you fun watch that one. one. Yes. Nobody's <laughs> ever said that. I love it. That's so funny. I love Bill. We named yes. our dog after Bill Murray. So I love oh, Bill that's Murray. So, so funny. I love it. Oh yeah. He's great. Okay. Last question. If you were to put yourself on the crunchiness spectrum where zero is totally not crunchy and 10 is like singing Kumbaya by the fire with your legs unshaven and dreadlocks in your hair, where are you on the spectrum? A one. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I thought it would be towards that end. (laughs) I want to be crunchier. There's so many things. Like I literally just told Scott the other day, like the cloth nap. I was like, I really want to do cloth napkins. (laughs) I yeah. want to, but I want do to, I want to, but do I want to, <laughs> yes. like I've been saying that for probably four years, so That's clearly so it hasn't yeah. crossed over yet. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, but not bad enough, <laughs> but it's not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been so much fun. I'm so glad that we finally did it. Me too. Thank And thank you for all your kind words. Like it literally just like makes my heart swell. Well, I mean, every single one of them. Thank you. Yes. Well, we'll have to do it again sometime. Hey, anytime. I'm here for that 12-part series. All right. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. All right, ladies, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening week to week and sharing the show with your friends, telling them about it on social media, talking to them in person. You know, when you guys tell people about the show, it is the best marketing that I could ever get. So thank you to all of you who do that and let people know what you love about the show. Again, I would love for you to reach out to me on Instagram at Mackenzie Coppa. If you want any of the show notes from this episode, you can find them at MackenzieCoppa.com and just click on podcast or you can swipe up in whatever podcasting app you are listening to the show on. And one last quick reminder, if you are doing any shopping on Amazon, and you get to Amazon through the link mckenziecoppa.com slash Amazon, it will not only show you all of my top recommendations and things that I absolutely love on a whole variety of topics, everything from back to school to skincare to beauty to all kinds of different things, but you can also just shop for whatever little old thing you're looking for on Amazon. It doesn't even have to be something that I recommend, but it will help push a little bit of commission back to me without costing you a penny extra, and that is super helpful. So if you go to mckenziecoppa.com slash Amazon for all of your Amazon shopping, I would be ever so grateful. All right, I will see you ladies around Instagram and definitely next week back on the podcast, so be sure you have subscribed to the show so you don't miss a thing. But until next week or on Instagram, go be bold and gracious.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 